Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. On this day in history, the first book was published. I mean, the first book was published back in 1457. It was an astronomy book by printed by a man by the name of Faust. On this day in history, a number of things have happened. Uh, we've had... Uh, the Oregon Territory was established. That's before the Oregon State was established, which is something that we create out of our own minds and the contracts and covenants that we make with men to establish states. Because when the planet was built uh, by God, all you had was a giant ball here floating in the uh, void of space with no dotted lines dividing men up into states and countries. That's a creation of man. The creation of God was very simple. No dotted lines anywhere. Uh, it was a free planet on which God put man and man had dominion over it, but not over each other. There was law from the beginning. And it's built into the system. If you violate that law, the punishments are built into the system that will come your way. So it's been our job for centuries for the history of mankind to find out what it is that God wants us to do and be and how to conform to God's way, to God's nature, to the law of nature and nature's God the God who created it. And if we stray from that formula, we get into a lot of trouble. A number of other things happened on this day in history. And uh, one of them is that uh, they uh, finished a uh, one of the largest Gothic cathedrals in Europe in 1880. It took over 632 years to build it. And a lot of people thought that that was a magnificent church. But that was a building it was not a church. It was a building called a church. The church is not a building. The church is people. It is people who come together conforming to the character of Christ. Uh, we got a caller, uh, Rick. This is our experimentation on the call in, and I'll punch over to and pick him up. Rick, are you there? Yes, good morning. Okay, I'm. Adjusting the volume a little bit here. Anyway, uh, you had some questions uh, you wanted to call in with. Um, uh, well, yeah, I just uh, thought maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, the importance of uh, congregations of record and, and especially our our network, how that uh, network can operate in various different ways and the importance of it. And, you know, uh, forming the bonds of, of trust between us and uh, how important that is that we, we kind of know each other and, you know, in case somebody comes along and makes false accusations or possible charlatans or something, we can know each other well enough to say, hey, well, no, that's that's not our people. I know our ministers and, uh, you know, that's, that's just not part of our program and just things like that, how important this is and how we can use it, and I guess if I had any question concerning that, it would be, you know, what can we all do to make these network connections even stronger and use them even more? 
Yes, uh, in a community, uh, just a neighborhood where you have houses one after another, we don't always know who's in those houses, what they're doing, what kind of people they are. We know if they cut their lawns. We know if they paint their house, if uh, they have a nice car. But we don't really know what's in their heart because we've kind of lost this sense of community. As we're creating this network, uh, striving and seeking the kingdom in this network, we need to know who each other are. We need to know who we can trust. Uh, you know, that was one of the first things that we saw Christ talking to the Roman centurion. And he was very impressed with that man because that man in his group, in his society, which happened to be a military cohort, he knew who he could trust. He knew if I told this man, uh, let's do this, uh, that it would get done. Uh, he knew who was watching his back. He often faced dangerous situations, and he knew who he could trust and who he couldn't trust. That takes time to build that trust, and that's why we have, you know, an actual organized network. Now, we are the organized church, but we don't organize you from the top down. You organize yourselves from the bottom up. The union and discipline that we have is dependent upon your involvement. Uh, somebody wrote me just after the last newsletter and said, uh, their local minister said, well, now don't get too involved with, uh, uh, you know, what Christ was doing because we, we don't do everything that Christ does. Uh, and she was just shocked. These are her ministers talking about not getting too involved. <laughs> but, well, I wrote her back right away and told her, well, I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to warn you, get involved. Get involved with each other. Get involved with the ways of Christ. Get involved with caring about one another. And that's what the network is. It's a, uh, we talked before that it's, it's, uh, the, uh, buddy system times 10. Uh, we watch each other's back. We watch out for each other's interests because, we love our neighbor in the network as much as we love ourselves. We care about them as much. And, yes, yeah, so that's that's a very important thing is these congregations so that we know who is who and where they are. Now, you can't get to know. Uh, I may not be able to get every, to know everybody in the, his church at, the, at Vail, Oregon. Uh, I may not meet everybody that... Uh, Rick knows. He's a uh, minister of record at uh, Vail, Oregon. But uh, I know Rick. And so if Rick says, you can trust that guy, uh, then I know I can trust that guy uh, because I, I, I know Rick. But after uh, uh, we have other people that are in less contact than Rick and less involved than Rick, and I don't necessarily know if I can trust their word. <laughs> so it's very important that we get to know one another. And there are people that might misrepresent themselves as a part of his church. But if the network is strong, if we take that little time to know one another in the network, have meetings, come to the retreat. Uh, Rick will be at the retreat uh, this fall. In September 26th out here in Oregon, uh, we're going to meet people from Australia. We're going to meet people from South Carolina. We're going to meet people from a lot of different places. We don't know who all is coming yet. 
But uh, those brief meetings tell us a lot. Uh, but then the ongoing relationship through the year, uh, who we can, who actually is there when we need help, who answers the phone, so to speak, uh, that will be very important. Uh, so well, and also you know just uh, as as much as we can, as spread out as we are, but it, it's really important that we uh, make one-on-one in-person contact. I know uh, from our experience with our summer retreat, the folks that showed up there. Uh, we really forged some uh, bonds of trust and really got to know each other. I mean, we spent nine days in the mountains camping, so uh, we got pretty close. And uh, I think now, you know, we're 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 pretty tightly knit, and we feel like uh, we can trust each other and really know who each other are. So I, I think the the personal thing is really really important. Right, and that day to day action. Uh... You know, it's really easy to develop these bonds. Actually, it's also easy to destroy them when you live real close to each other. Uh, absence sometimes makes the heart grow fonder. But the reality is, in a kingdom based on forgiveness and giving, uh, even when we start getting closer and closer together, that's always been a problem. We're so spread out. Uh, to some degree, that's a blessing because we don't step on each other's toes as much. But when we start filling in the gaps and start being closer to one another, we will step on each other's toes. And then we will get the opportunity of learning forgiveness because we will make mistakes, others will make mistakes, and we need to forgive them so that they have good cause to forgive us. So, But that's all the bonds that hold the organization of God together are love. And love is an action word. And and we have to participate in that. And so what we're doing is forming this network. It's pretty loose at this time, but we're also forming congregations of record. And uh, it's really a learning curve when, you know, people want to go and join a church. that They don't want to be joined with others and form a church. We're stones. We're bones that come together. Unlike that uh, large Gothic cathedral, Cologne Cathedral, they built in Germany and took 632 years to get all the stones in place. <laughs> uh, we, we are the stones of the church. We're the living stones of the church, and we have to come together. We have to, when Jesus was asked, are many saved or the few? He didn't say everybody who has an altar call is saved. He said, strive. Uh, your striving will not bring you into the kingdom. But if you don't strive, you probably will not be welcomed in the kingdom because Christ said strive. So how are things going in Vail? Uh, I heard you had a terrible storm there. Are you recovering from that? Uh, yes, actually we are. Our uh, sweet corn actually kind of perked up a little bit. In fact, uh, we had some last night for the first time. So some of it is kind of coming back and uh, most of it got pretty much devastated, but uh, anyway, it's uh, we'll get what we get. <laughs> well, we'll be uh, looking forward to seeing you uh, at the retreat and your lovely wife. And I don't know, was one of your daughters going to be able to make it, or is she back home doing chores? Uh, no, no, not this time. Okay. Ellen and I will definitely be there. Okay. Well, okay, well uh, thank you, and that's about all I had. I'll get off here and let somebody else on. Okay. Well, God bless. Thank you for calling. 
we're we're talking about the difference between the kingdom versus the church. That's one of the topics that we were going to cover today. Uh, and, uh, the, you know, a lot of people confuse that. Even ministers also get the concept of Israel confused with church and kingdom. Like, these are all separate and different things. Well, they're actually different aspects of the same thing. Israel was the kingdom of God on earth. Jesus says, I'm going to take it away from you, and I'm going to give it to another. So what he did was he took Israel away from the Pharisees, and he gave it to the apostles. And the apostles were meeting daily in the temple. They were Israel. Remember, the Pharisees said, we had no king but Caesar, they were now Roman. They were no longer Israel, but they were Roman. And so, uh, the church is Israel. The kingdom is Israel because the kingdom of God is the place where God prevails. It is his kingdom. Now, a lot of people want to, you know, who worship names and, and the idolatry of names, they say, well, we're going to put the name this word that was used in the Old Testament on this group of people, and we'll say, this is Israel. And we have another caller, uh, so we'll take that call. Uh, hello, Joey, can you hear me? We don't see... Uh, Joey, can you hear me? Yes, barely. Okay, I hope uh, the recording is taking my voice. I've got it turned way up. But anyway, we can hear you. So did you have a question? This is Joey in Idaho. Yes, um... Well, I wanted to talk about, and, you know, it's kind of a two-part question. Um, you know, if, if the word church is defined in, in the world's law books as a separate form of government, and all governments require faith, quote-unquote, or, you know, a certain amount of spiritual belief in order for them to continue to function, what are some of the distinct differences between these governments, the church and other worldly governments, and what exactly does the word faith mean? Well, boy, the, the second question is going to take longer than this show. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, uh, the uh, That's one of the great fallacies of modern Christendom is that uh, somehow or other that Christ was not preaching a kingdom. He not only was preaching a kingdom, a government, uh, he he told us to do the same thing. He didn't say, go preach the kingdom of heaven is coming someday. He says, go preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the early church operated as a government. Uh, people went to church if they had any needs that most people today go to the government for. All your welfare was handled through the church. Uh, all your... Uh, uh, family, social values, and interaction of families and the needs and providing the needs. If there was a uh, dearth or depression in the land, they didn't go down to the government offices of Rome, that, which there were plenty of, or the government offices of the Pharisees, which there were plenty of. They went to church. Uh, they went to church for everything. They Actually, even the church uh, created and oversaw a uh, something similar to what we call a credit union today. But it was a viable government. These are the men that did contrary to the ways of Caesar. They weren't breaking the law, uh, but they were operating in another government. Uh, they had. They said there is another king, one Jesus. 
And these were his ambassadors, which we called apostles when we translated. But the word there is the Greek word for ambassadors. They were a government. They operated as such for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years until other governments rose up about a thousand years after the fall of Jerusalem and started to exercise authority one over the other and literally kill anybody who did not accept their authority. Uh, and But the real power they've gained is the fact that people pray to them for their benefit, something Christ said not to do. Uh, people don't realize the election of Saul was a rejection of God. It's very clear in Second Samuel. And so... Uh, that the major distinction between the government created by Christ and the governments created by men is that the government created by Christ operates on that thing you also asked about, faith, hope, and charity. All governments, all governments require some level of faith, full faith and credit, uh, they talk about in the United States government. Uh, allegiance is uh, almost synonymous with the word faith. Uh, trust. These are all synonyms of the same idea. So who do you trust? Who do you pray to? Is it the fathers of the earth? Uh, the patronuses of the earth? Or is it the Father in heaven? Well, if you pray to your Father in heaven, how does he answer your prayers? Well, he often answers your prayers through the love and faith in action of other people who also pray to the Father in heaven. And this is what the kingdom of God is. And the church are the ministers who serve that kingdom of God and therefore serve the rest of those people. Because when we think of church, we often think of a pastor or a bishop or uh, some people think of a pope, some sort of top-down authority. And we all sit in the pews, line up, and do whatever he says. The early church was operated by the elders of each family. An elder was the eldest of that family. They came together voluntarily. And they had a dictatorial power over the contributions given to the church until they were given. In other words, you saw a minister you thought was doing the will of Christ and you paid him to make sure the government was running smoothly, uh, the needy were taken care of, uh, the, you know, his own needs were taken care of as he took, you know, set aside his time for the people. This was a government from the bottom up, grassroots, from each family, participating and serving the whole group by serving through their voluntary acts, their voluntary contributions. The governments of the world elect leaders who can exercise authority one over the other. Christ said we weren't to be that way. Every Christian church today that I see out there send their people to the benefactors or the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. And they no longer take care of the social welfare of the people. So, even today in Black's Law Dictionary, the church is defined as one form of government. Well, that form of government takes care of the people 
in a government of the people, for the people, and by the people, where the leaders, the ministers, are titular. They don't have any exercising authority. They cannot force you to contribute. You must choose to do it. All the other governments of the world, some of them claiming to be republics with titular leaders, are actually governments where you elect a lawmaker who rules over you, exercises over authority over you, forces your contributions, takes your sons and daughters, takes the first fruits of your labor. All those things were warned would come if you rejected God. All those things exist in the governments of the world today. It does not exist in the true church, and the true church will never send you to those benefactors. It will try to be the benefactor that does not exercise authority, but operates by faith, hope, and charity. And so, I don't know, do you have any more, did I kind of answer the question? Do you want to channel my (laughs) dissertation in a particular direction? Joey? Did we lose Joey? I think we lost Joey. (laughs) I don't hear anything. So anyway, um, Joey is in uh, Idaho. Uh, He's up by cul-de-sac, Idaho. Uh, He is a contact minister there in the Idaho area, and he's also connected with his church at uh, uh, Vail, which is, uh, uh, they call it his church at Cottonwood. Uh, because there's a Cottonwood Mountain and uh, there's a Cottonwood Street and River and Creek, or rather. And so, uh, together they formed a congregation of record. And uh, they are uh, working up in that area, preaching the gospel. We have contact ministers all over the country. We have them in Canada. Uh, David Kennedy is uh, our contact up in Ontario, Canada. And he is the one who asked the question about the kingdom of God versus the church. And that's what we'll talk about more when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. few announcements. I was going to mention that uh, uh, in Jaffrey, New Hampshire, there's a live free or die festival, I guess it would be called. Uh, They've got a lot of different things going on there, a lot of different people talking about uh, everything from the Constitution to uh, survival information to... Uh, money systems, uh, there's probably a lot of free staters that are going to be up there, the free state project. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you all the different people, but it's a lot of people. It'll probably be interesting. But amongst all these people will be, uh, George Mason, who was a contact minister for, uh, uh, the Living Network in Massachusetts. And I, I believe they're even going to have a booth there. Uh, you can get a hold of uh, George uh, through the network. Um, just join the network area for Massachusetts. He covers several states. 
Um, there's other contact ministers around, but he's the most active, kind of centrally located. Um, uh, there's others, uh, Paul Capadona and a number of uh, different people that you can contact in that area. But if you join the Living Network, you'll be in touch with all of them. And uh, they'll tell you more of the details on that. Also, we have the retreat coming up in uh, uh, September, uh, centered around the weekend of the 26th, 27th, 28th. Um, that, uh, by the way, that Jaffrey, uh, New Hampshire thing is on August 27th through 29th. And so, uh, but like I said, you can probably look up, I think there's a website, livefreeordie.com, and they, uh, they have more information on that. But our retreat is a little bit different. Uh, we're not going to be talking a lot about uh, other governments like the constitutional governments of the world. Uh, we're not going to be talking about a lot of these other things, but we will be talking about the kingdom. We will be talking about uh, how Christ, how Moses, how Abraham were operating in order to set men free. Uh, Abraham set many souls free. Moses set a whole nation free from bondage, uh, made them a strong and viable uh, people because he taught them the ways of the Lord. And so did Jesus. They were all teaching exactly the same thing. You wouldn't hardly know that uh, based on modern eschatology and even Jewish eschatology that has come down to us through the Pharisees. We need to find out what Christ was actually teaching and start conforming to that because we're coming into a world that's going to need as much help as it can get and it might as well get help from the best and we know the best was Christ. So uh, let's uh, move forward on this subject of uh, uh, the, king, the kingdom of God uh, versus the church and... Uh, We'll uh, see if we can't start distinguishing these concepts. The Basilius Oranos, the kingdom of heaven, that's the Greek word, Basilius Oranos, or uh, Basilius uh, or Basilia uh, Theos, which is the kingdom of God. These are interchangeable terms. Matthew used heaven, uh, the kingdom of heaven, or at least it appears in the translation. It's probably a quirk of the fact that Matthew wrote in Aramaic and then it was translated to Greek. Uh, but the reality is they are the same thing. Um, Oranos, we we translate that into heaven, but modern Greek scholars would tell you at that time the best way to translate the, the word Oranos is into the word world, which would mean that uh, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of the world. But of course we know the kingdom of the world, the world order that he was talking about was the world order under God. That means that God in your heart, God in your mind, God in your spirit, operating through you, forms the kingdom of God. Not by obligations of contract, but by uh, obligations of faith, hope, and charity that are imposed upon you by the Spirit of God, which is a life giver. And that's one of the other distinguishing characteristics between the gods of the world and the God. Uh, of heaven as the God of heaven is a giver of life and the gods of the world are often takers of life. They not only take so much of the life of each of their subjects, they start taking the lives of other people around them, devouring who they will. 
Their governments are beastly in nature, while the government of God is a giver of life, a bestower of life. It is not trying, you know, we come to serve. Christ came to serve. He said we should come to do the same thing. So, in the kingdom of God, you're electing ministers who are servants of the people, for the people, and by the free will contributions of the people. Uh, that is the nature of the kingdom. Those men who are called out for that service, the ecclesia, that is the church. That's the word we translate into church, ecclesia. They are called out to do that. Now, we're all called out of sin, so in one sense, we are all part of the ecclesia. But many times when the term is used, uh, they're talking about specifically those men who are called out to be your ministers. And they are only your ministers if you say they are your ministers. So you do elect them, but you don't elect them to an office of authority. You elect them to an office of love and service. And so, unless you're stupid, you might go out and elect men to rule over you. (laughs) And, of course, many people have done that. But that would be a rejection of God as in the days of Saul. And we don't want you rejecting God. Uh, Our mission is to return you, to help you turn around and go back to God. Uh, uh, I believe we may have some more call-ins. I don't know. uh, They'll let me know if uh, we got more people on the line. Joy was asking that one of the things that Joy wanted to ask about was this faith-based government. And, of course, all governments are faith-based, but we use the word allegiance in those that require you to contract and subject yourself to them. We use faith by itself in those that are based on true faith, which is uh, personal conviction, where the power of government actually rests in your hands because the taxes you pay to the kingdom of God are based on free will offerings. And so, therefore, you maintain that power. But when you grant a gift in the kingdom to a minister, you aren't giving it to him. You're giving it to Christ. You're giving it to the king. But you choose to give it to him because you believe that he is actually doing the will of Christ. He is promoting the precepts of Christ. You see Christ in his actions. So you grant him some funds to go out and take care of the uh, job and importance and uh, the duties of government. And if you see him not doing that, you stop giving him funds. But when you give those funds, and this is very important, And there's a lot of legal reasons why. There's a lot of lawful reasons why. There's a lot of uh, um, precepts of law that are based in this. When you give him funds, you let go of those funds. They are burnt offerings. They are given up entirely. That is very important. It was important at the time of Abraham. It was important at the time of Moses. And it certainly was important at the time of Christ that when you give, you support the ministers of your church, you give them those funds entirely. You do not say, well, here, I give you this money, but uh, we're going to have a meeting and tell you how to spend it. No, you give it to him because you have faith that he will do as God 
wants it to be done with that money. It'll become evident very quickly whether or not he is doing a good job. And if you don't think he's doing a good job, stop giving to him. And by that power that remains with you to decide what you will give tomorrow, you are the government of the church. You, The power remains in the family with the elders of the family. And that is the only way to maintain a free government. And yes, those ministers may go out and abuse that money, but that's another reason why we have this network that Rick was talking about, is that we're not only watching your back, we're standing there to rebuke you. If we see a minister uh, abusing his position, not using the funds properly uh, in a ministry of record, then we have to do something about that. We have to notify the members of the congregation. And that way we protect one another from abuse. You can't believe the kind of abuse that we've seen in churches where people receive large sums of money and uh, it never goes to any good at all. And nobody knew it wasn't going to any good. It was being put into somebody's pocket. And it was because there was no oversight. Uh, because people aren't taking their responsibility of being the government of the people, for the people, by the people. And I tell you, the only government that meets that criteria is the kingdom of God. It is the government of God, because the government of God requires that you be responsible for yourself and for your neighbor. And you are to watch your ministers And they have control over what you give them, but you have control over what you give them tomorrow. So, uh, that gives you a little bit of an idea. Now, these terms, like all terms, they can be, uh, there's nuances in these terms. Terms often have multiple definitions. So, when we use the word church, I sometimes talk about the church specific, which is the ministers themselves, or the church in general, which is all the uh, members of congregations and ministers, etc., because they do form one body, and that body is formed within the kingdom of God. Remember when Jesus in Luke appoints the apostles a kingdom. He had told them that, you know, that I would appoint, it would be his pleasure to appoint a kingdom to his little flock. We know he was going to take the kingdom away from the Pharisees and give it to somebody else, and that would be his little flock. And then we know that in Luke, uh, I think around 20, 25, he actually, or 22, 25, uh, he actually appoints the kingdom unto them uh, with specific instructions. He didn't, appoint the kingdom to them. I think I stated that wrong. He appointed a kingdom to them. In other words, some dominion to them. He couldn't appoint all the kingdom to them because the kingdom is within you. You are to be the responsible party within the kingdom. And so, but they did have some authority that Jesus Christ laid upon them. And that authority was to create a buffer between you as a free soul under God and the kingdoms of the world. And, of course, that's what the apostles were doing all the time. And that's why they said these are the men who do contrary to the decrees of Caesar. Uh, They weren't, again, they weren't breaking the law. 
they were a separate government. This was what Paul was arguing to Agrippa and Festus. But, yes, it's not like the governments of the world. Now the question is, can we exist in a government of God as in the world, but not of the world? Can we operate a government based on faith, hope, and charity? Uh, this is this is a critical aspect of the kingdom, and the, only you can answer that question. Only you can make that commitment as to whether you are willing to operate and live by faith, hope, and charity, or do you want to live like most people live, forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. Uh, by hiring men with guns to go to your neighbor's house and forcing them to contribute. That's the way most Christians, most Jews, most Muslims throughout the world today, most Hindus throughout the world today operate. They elect governments who will force their neighbors to contribute to their welfare. Now, amongst all those groups, there are those who say, you know, this isn't right. We want to do something different. And it's, it takes a while to turn around, you know, when you're zooming in the wrong direction for a thousand years at high rate of speed in the last few years. It's kind of hard to slow down and make that turn and go back the other way. But that is the call that Jesus made, that John the Baptist made, that the apostles were making. Repent, turn around, let's go the other way. And that's what the Living Network is all about. We're trying to gather people together who want to go the other way, who want to change their ways from the ways of the world to the ways of God. And you cannot do that without the love of Christ in you. You cannot do that unless you receive that love of Christ and act upon it. Now, uh, Kendall Anderson asked about uh, uh, altars and buildings. And we talked a little bit about buildings. That uh, The Cologne Cathedral is not the church. You're the church. Uh, what are these altars? And we go into that in the book, Thy Kingdom Comes. You can get a free copy if you join the Living Network uh, uh, or access to a free copy uh, PDF file. We'll download the different contact ministers know where these... Uh, uh, files are in existence and uh, on the net you can actually find them if you search enough but uh, I can't tell you from memory but uh, they're, they're all supposed to know so when you pick a contact minister he'll let you know where these books are so you can get free copies of them you can order them from us but basically in that book that kingdom come we talk about how the kingdom worked how it worked in the past how it worked at the time of Christ and how it worked in the early church and how we strayed from it and what is its nature? But this idea of altars, which goes back to Abraham, that these altars were actually living altars. That's what Christ was preaching, living altars. You're uh, living altars of stone. And what they are were a system of uh, charity, a system of welfare, a system of uh, by which you could take care of your society through faith, hope, and charity. The governments of the world have altars, too, and they are usually socialist schemes of uh, becoming a member, uh, being forced to contribute, and then being able to 
obtain an entitlement uh, because of that membership. They all, those systems always fail. Uh, corruption comes in, thieves and robbers come in, they deplete the funds until there's nothing left, and then when you really need them, they're not there for you because they're not based on Christ-like principles. They're not a godly government. They are the antithesis of a godly government. They're anti-Christ. And it's amazing that they have become so predominant in the world today, even amongst nations who believe that they are actually Christian governments, because they aren't doing what Christ said. They are actually coveting their neighbor's goods through the agency of government. So the altars, there were two kinds of altars in the Old Testament, altars of clay and altars of stone. Well, the altars of stone are exactly that. They are uh, the church. They are the individuals, the whited stones that serve the people. But the altars of clay, which the word clay, there are earth in, in many translations, is the word Adama. You're the altar of clay. Every family is the altar of clay. And so... Uh, that's uh, that's very critical to understanding how you play a part in the kingdom. And so we have another call. I'm going to see if we can connect to that. Hello. Yes. Yes, Brother Gregory. How are you today? Okay. This is Dan in Colorado. He's a contact minister out there in northern Colorado. Uh, Dan, did you have a question today? Yes, I do. You earlier uh, months ago explained how the Holy Spirit had prompted you and you went uh, and just knocked on the door of a jail and went in and uh, asked if you could see someone. Who's the loneliest, uh, most needy guy here? Who can I talk to? And you were ushered right in and had a great conversation and were really a blessing to the inmate. And I guess my question is, that took a prompting of the Holy Spirit, and to get that prompting, you have to have the relationship with Christ through the Holy Spirit. And my question is, how do we develop and cultivate that? Because if we don't, we're like Pharisees, and we really can't even get off home plate. Right. Uh, we need to be able to have that relationship so that we can hear what he's telling us to do and write the word, his words on our heart. Right. Uh, there's the, uh, you've actually, I think, mixed uh, two different stories. Uh, yeah, I did go to a jail uh, to meet uh, somebody, but I actually knew he was in the jail. And everybody told me you would not get in there because there's all these regulations and stipulations. You have to be a, you know, you have to take special courses to be a jailhouse minister. Uh, I was coming when it wasn't visiting hours uh, on a weekend. <laughs> Uh, but I knew the guy was there, and I just went and said I want to meet with him. And uh, and they ended up doing exactly what everybody said was impossible and letting me in and going and talking to him. And I talked to him for a huge long time, way more than what normal visiting hours would have been if it had even been visiting hours. There, there were other stories where, uh, yeah, that suddenly the Holy Spirit tells you to go and, and you just feel this like pull inside yourself that says you need to go talk to this person or you need to go do this or you need to stop or you need to do whatever. And uh, it's a real strong pull at times. And uh, 
and you you follow it. But now, how does someone develop it? That's the the sixty billion dollar question. As you can't develop it, it has to be developed in you. And the secret is, and it's it's told in many parables, that uh, what you have to do is when God gives you that leading of the Holy Spirit a little bit, you need to uh, act upon it. You know, it's uh, the the story of the talent where you know these one guy had one talent, one guy had two, one guy had three. And the guys who had two and three, they did something with it, but the guy had only had one. He didn't do anything with it. He just buried it. And it is the same way with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals something to you, tells you to do something. You need to act upon what the Holy Spirit has said. You need to do something about it. And you need to start to distinguish that because the world is full of spirit. Uh, everybody's got, you know, uh, the guy down the street, he's trying to get you to do this. Uh, the, uh, the people on the TV are trying to get you to do that. They, they want you to buy this or do whatever. And where is God in all this? Where is God speaking to you? And I believe God is speaking to everybody right now and telling them something that is important right now in their hearts. He doesn't speak in words. He speaks in his, the presence of his spirit. If you receive that and figure out what that interpretation is uh, by yearning, by shutting up and listening to what God has to say to you, you will begin to move uh, more according to that spirit. But you have to act upon what you hear, what you feel, what you are doing, and be willing to admit when, oh, wait a minute, that that wasn't God. That was me. <laughs> that was that's what I wanted. That wasn't what God wanted. And uh, it it's what life is all about. It's learning to walk again with the Lord. The whole world is the garden of paradise. We don't think we're in it because we're not walking with the Lord. If we're walking with the Lord, the whole world becomes the garden of paradise. And uh Suddenly the mosquitoes don't find you tasty and uh, the wild animals uh, bow to your uh, presence (laughs) and uh, the beasts of the world uh, shun you. Uh, And that's very important. Uh, and, And God will test that faith from time to time to see if you're willing to really act upon the leading of that spirit. Uh, And that... Uh, to take it back to Joey's question, that's when you really start operating by faith. Uh, you're operating by the spirit that, uh, that where the real power is, which is in this faith. So I think we're actually coming up to the end of the program. I'm not sure. I, I, I need to get a clock in front of me so we can keep track of that. <laughs> but is there any uh, things going on with you, Dan, that you could mention before the end of the hour? Um, we're just continuing to develop uh, our group here in Colorado, and we are coming to the uh, event, oh, the retreat. Great! Uh, I haven't made that known real well, but uh, we are going to give demonstration uh, on fire starting uh, and cover all the basics and and all kinds of different examples. Uh, but we're really looking forward to coming. Okay. Well, I'm still hearing you, but I think we've gone to the end of the hour. We'll see you on Talk Shoe. Um, and thanks for calling in. We'll see how this program turned out. <laughs> God bless.
You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.